Hello, everyone. Welcome to another new episode of the Focus Point Podcast. I'm glad you've decided to give it a listen. I hope it encourages you and blesses your day. If you wouldn't mind sharing it with your family and your friends, that would be greatly appreciated, and hopefully it can encourage and bless them as well. There's also a website you can check out, thepointoffocus.com, and that has more information about who the focus point is and what we're doing and all of that. And it's got videos and blog posts and podcast episodes there as well. So you can head over to the point of and find out some more information. I want to say off the top of this episode that um, the article that I read that I'm going to be referencing in this episode, I'm not going to mention by name nor the author of it, nor the person who shared it on Facebook, or any of those things, just because I don't want this to be that kind of episode. I don't want to bash anybody. I don't want to ridicule anybody. I don't want to criticize anybody. So I'm choosing to keep the author and the article and all of that uh, to myself. So that way, I can just take the idea that the article I read presented and share with you why I feel like it's just too limiting of God. That's the idea of this episode. The idea of this episode is not a big verbal bashing of how people are so crazy that they write this. No, no, no. That is not what I'm doing here. So, but as I said, I read an article recently, and the idea presented is going to be the subject of this episode. I'm not going to mention, as I said, the article by name, but the article presented an idea that kind of annoyed me. And the reason why it annoyed me is it said there is only one way to experience the presence of God. And that is the idea I have a problem problem with. This is how an infinite God gets put in a box. These kind of articles and ideas limit the presence of an almighty God. And here's why. If I were... if it, if I were to follow new to following Jesus, okay, if I had just recently started following Jesus and I was scrolling through Facebook and read this article that a friend shared, I would have this idea that God can only be experienced through preaching. That going to church on Sunday, sitting in a pew or sitting in a chair and listening to somebody preach the Bible is the only way God can be experienced. Which I will say is true, however, which is why I go back to not wanting to mention the author or the, because I do agree with part of what he said. I don't just don't agree with the whole thing. So, but because like I said, it's not all the way true and that limits God to say that God can only be uh, experienced or felt the presence of, or any other way you want to put it only while you're listening to preaching isn't. Right. When we sit and listen to God's word being preached, that is one way to experience the presence of God, but it's not the only way. As I said, if I were new and I were looking for ways to experience that feeling that people talk about when they experience God and his presence and all of that, and this was the article I was given, I would have a limited view of how to experience God and of God himself. So really, there's two things here that come into a problem. We're limiting God on how his presence can be and where he's at or, and, not or, sorry, and God himself. 
We're putting this big, infinite, almighty God in a box. God is also limited by the idea because it goes against what I've learned about him. And what is said about him. Well, I've personally learned about him. Like I said, the scenario earlier, I'm not new to following, but I've heard these words growing up. I've heard these words in Bible classes, in both high school and college, and that God is three things. God is omnipotent, God is omniscient, and God is omnipresent. The simple definition of these words is God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-present, respectively. So, if the author of the article I read knows these things, and I'm sure they do, how can they say that God can only be experienced in one way? If God is all-powerful, then he has the power to speak to us in any way and through anything he wants. If God is all-present, then he can be experienced anywhere and through anything. And if God is all-knowing, then he knows us and he knows how to reach our hearts and draw us in. God's unchanging character is not the only thing that gets called into question when something like this is said. When I hear preaching is the only way to experience God's presence, well, I start to think about things like prayer, reading your Bible, and worshiping God, singing to God, music. Let's address these. If we can only enter the presence of God through preaching, then why do we have to pray? When we pray, we are communicating with God and we are expecting his presence. When we pray to God, we are looking for answers or just comfort knowing that he's listening when we may feel like no one else is listening. When we pray, it's important. And we experience God. We also pray to God to communicate with him. God is relational. God God has always been that way. God wants people to talk to him. God wants his people to experience him in that way. If we don't want to experience God through prayer, then why did God spend so much time encouraging us to pray through Jesus? In Matthew chapter 6 and Luke 11, that's the, the Lord's prayer and Jesus answering the question, teach us how to pray. If prayer wasn't an important form of communication to God, and it wasn't a way to experience him, then why did Jesus spend time talking about it? Why did God have Jesus spend time talking about it? God wants us to experience him through conversation with him, just like we, just like we would with any other kind of relationship. We wouldn't experience friendship or marriage fully without communication, and we don't experience God fully without communication. If we can only enter the present, then, okay, so, prayer. That's a big thing. Now, if we can only experience the presence of God through preaching, then why do we need to read the Bible? This is the second thing that gets called into question. I mean, preaching is, in a sense, reading the Bible, but if it's read for us on Sunday, why read it any other time? Once again, the Bible is God's inspired words to us to help us in life. As 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 say, the Bible is another way God communicates with us. When we read the Bible, we are drawn into the presence of God and his presence, and in his presence, we see what he is telling us through his word. But once again, if it's only through preaching, me sitting at home reading the Bible or you sitting at home reading the Bible is not 
preaching. So how are we supposed to experience God? So why even do it? Why even do it? These are the things that this idea of this article calls into question that these that people like me process through and realize that when you say something like that, you just kind of like essentially blow the foundation up a little bit and things start to shake. When you say certain things in a certain way. And this was an idea of this article that it's only through preaching you experience God sitting in a pew or a chair on Sunday. And this is, these two things so far are gets just blows everything up. Right? Because then that means that these things are irrelevant. Why pray then? If God's presence is only at church in a building when you hear preaching or listening to a podcast, wherever you are, preaching has to be involved to experience the presence of God, then why do the two things so far that I've mentioned matter? And then the third thing, and the last thing that I'm going to to talk about, if we can only experience God through preaching, then why do churches all over the world waste 15 to 20 minutes of the service singing. If preaching is so important, if preaching is the only way that draws us into God and that we can experience God, then why not use that 15, 20 minutes of music and worshiping preaching? If that's the vital, if, if, if that's the vital line. Or why don't we just attend church, if you attend church, just walk in, sit down, hear a sermon, and leave. Church could be 30 to 40 minutes and be done and over with. But that's not what is important. The element of music in church is important. When we sing, we turn our attention to God and get drawn into his presence. The other thing about singing, the other thing about singing to God is it's all over the Bible and it's in heaven. So how can something that's in heaven that that we're in the presence of God How can that be bad here and good there? That's once again saying that God has changed. That he doesn't like music down here. It doesn't, it doesn't, we don't experience God's presence. But when it's up, when, when we're up there, oh, it's better. It's all over the Bible. And there is a link in the description of this episode that will take you to, um, a website with a bunch of different verses about how singing praises and praising God and all of these things are good. The written in Psalms, Psalms is essentially a book of like songs that people sang back then. They sang back then when they were feeling the presence of God or when they needed the presence of God. They sang the Psalms, but that's not important, right? Psalm 98, 4 through 6 says, Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Break out in praise and sing for joy. Sing your praise to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and melodious singing, with trumpets and the sound of a ram's horn. Make a joyful symphony before the Lord, the King. So that's just one, one place in Psalms where it talks about that. But then there's some place in Revelation. Revelation 14.3 says, This great choir sang a wonderful new song in front of the throne of God and before the four living beings and the 24 elders. No one could sing, no one could learn this song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. Now, the, the, 
there's a lot there. <laughs> because I know that an idea has come out of that that is actually on um, my older website, back in kind of like my older archives. Um, it may be a, a Way Back Wednesday blog post at some point. But this idea that no one can learn the song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed. There's just something about that praise that comes from God that's music to God's ears. And it's very awesome, uh, an awesome thing. Um, and that's not mine. That comes from a, a different pastor. But as I said, there's going to be a link in the description for some more examples. But this proof that singing can draw us into the presence of God. It is important to look at Revelation 14.1 to understand the verse referenced above. In, 14, in Revelation 14.1, we see the 144,000 standing on Mount Zion, on earth. But the praise of the 144,000 brings them right into the presence of God. Worship and singing to God are important to experience Him. This is why churches, in most cases, start the service with a time of worship because it draws the attention of the people to God and experience Him. I know for me, I like at least one song before we get to, to preaching the Word of God in my church. I know that it, it works. And I know there's a couple other people that I talk to that feel the same way. And sometimes our church services start with preaching. And it just feels different. And it feels like... Like worship is this element that, that kind of primes the pump that gets us ready to experience God because we're focused on him. We're focused on the words of the songs and we're drawn into God. This is what I know to be true. God can be experienced anywhere and anytime we let him. And that's important to know. How we experience God is to us as individuals. It's kind of up to us as individuals. And um, that is important to understand that we all experience God differently. We all experience him in different ways at different times. Even in the same room, we're all experiencing the presence of God talking to us at different times because he's all present and all knowing and he knows what we need. And we've talked about that on this very podcast. I will tell you that I experience God through music, through preaching, through reading the Bible and praying to him. But I will never say that there is just one way because that's limiting God and his power to reach me, his power to reach you. God has no limits and his presence can be felt anywhere, anytime. But it's individual. It's individual. Sometimes, yeah, a group of people will experience God, but because they're experiencing God, a whole room can experience God, but each individual is experiencing God in a different way. If you look, some people might be crying a little bit. Some people might have their eyes closed and not even singing and they're just just got their hands out and just experiencing God. Some people have both hands in the air and they're just singing their heart out to God. 
God's presence isn't boxed up. It's not meant to be kept in a, in a box and said to be done this way and this way and this way. Let God's power rip through your life and your heart and experience him in the ways that you experience him. That is important to know because it's individual. And what else is true is music one time may not be the way he talks to you. He may kind of get your attention and then like the preaching will talk to you. Or you'll go home and you'll, you'll, you'll read something out of the Bible or you'll see a, a, an image on Facebook or Instagram that speaks to you. One of those motivational images. And it'll speak to you. And that'll be God's way of talking to you. There are so many ways to experience God. And it's so important to know that there's not just one way to experience God. So don't limit God 